fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final What is going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Burner Street. BurnerStreetJournal.com, we read and feed you fantasy wolves. Here with a crucial week 14 waiver wire. The playoffs are just one week away, and this is one of the most important shows of the year. It's why I'm going a day early. I also have a work obligation tomorrow, but it is so crucial to get this information out there a day ahead of time, in my opinion, because some of you guys are planning for week 14, fighting ahead, placing tank. Dell got to get that immediate fill in right away. But then plenty of other people are have that buy. How do I prepare for the playoffs? What is the best route to go with my week 14 waiver wire? So I am here to dive into every single way that you should be attacking this week 14 waiver wire from handcuffs to defensive stashes to week 14 streamers. All, all that good stuff we are going to be diving into because at this point, there's only two teams on buy in week 14, and then there's no more buy. So you don't really need those wide receiver threes and fours sitting on your bench, just waiting there, wasting space. It's time to maximize those bench spots and think ahead and make sure you are primed and ready for a huge playoff run. So come on in, get all your questions in there. I'd be so happy to answer anything you have after we get through this. It'll be a little bit of a different structure tonight. I usually just go 10 to 1 and talk about my top pickups, but we're going to go in a different structure tonight in some of those key areas that we need to address. And if you enjoy what you hear at any minute, please do hit that thumbs up button. And if you're new around here and you would like to join here, we'd love to have more and more subs here for those championship push-ups, pushes here and push-ups. Let's dive in though, Wolfpack, and talk first about handcuffs. And top two pickups of the week are going to be guys that if you'd listened to our handcuffs earlier in the offseason, you wouldn't have to be in bidding wars with get to names towards the end of the show. We're not going to count them there. We're going to talk about the handcuffs that have not yet bloomed that you could still potentially get out there for relatively cheap, potentially even free this week. And if something happens to the starter, then you could have yourself a potential top 10 running back. Now we always are looking at both the player that could be jumping into there, either talented, would they be a lead horse? And also the environment they're jumping into. Is it an offense worth investing in? Is there a points per game? What are they looking at? Is it a run happy scheme? Is it a team with a good line? These are all factors you got to consider with your handcuffs. I'm going to give you five guys real quick, though, that I think could be in prime spots should the starter ahead of them go down. And again, these are not guys that have the starter already down. We're going to talk about those two. You probably know who I'm alluding to, the top two pickets of this week. But let's talk about some guys you maybe can get ahead on. My number five handcuff right now is Jeff Wilson, 16% rostered. We have Salvin Ahmed now on the IR. So Jeff Wilson is the clear number three, the number three running back wolf. The handcuff, he's two steps away. Well, this bat, this backfield clearly has been supporting two running backs, and I'm more looking so at Raheem Mostert. He's missed at least one game in every single professional season. And yeah, last year he played 16 to 17. That was the most he's ever hit, and he's never topped in his career, though. 
181 carries. The two seasons before, played just one game and eight games. And he's currently right now at 162 rushes. That's 10th in the league. This is Raheem Mostert, almost 32 years old. He's the running back two in fantasy. And I am not, of course, all these things, the prefaces, I'm not wishing for injury, but you got to look at the track record here. You got to look at the age and the carries that are building up for a guy that has never sustained this type of workload. Jeff Wilson could definitely inherit that big back role should something happen to Mostert. In fact, he was the preferred guy last year in that role when he first got traded to Miami. 16.2, 22.3, and 12.2 points in his first three games as a Miami Dolphin. Jeff Wilson was the running back six, seven, and then 25. And those 12 points were all in a half. And then he got hurt himself. He finished the season with 11 or more points in three of his last four games as well last year. And of course, this season, though, Raheem Mostert's balling. And now we also have Devon Achan here, who, as we talked about all Sunday, if you were at our sit-start show, in his full four games now, has been a top five running back in all four of them. If he makes it through a game, Devon Achan is going to be a top 25, not top 25, top five guy, averaging 150 yards from scrimmage, over 30 fantasy points per game. So that's obviously a different wrinkle here, that if Raheem Mostert goes down, we also have another back to contend with. It wouldn't just be the Jeff Wilson show, but this has been about a 50 split and both backs are being sustained even Mostert last week with taking the reins again still put up 12 fantasy points I do think Jeff Wilson could become a reliable source of 12 to 15 points should he be the guy this is the number two rushing offense behind only the Ravens number one in rushing touchdowns as well where he Mostert himself 16 touchdowns more than the entire Jets team as a whole and just as much tied with the Patriots offense as a whole as well. So I do think Jeff Wilson could be in a really, really prime spot. They get the Jets the first week of the playoffs. That would be a great matchup. And then Dallas and Baltimore, not great spots for running backs, but ultimately this offense is such a machine that I don't think it would really matter. So Jeff Wilson, my number five handcuff. Number four on that list, though, is Dearness Johnson, 18% rostered. He has clearly taken over the number two running back role here since the bye. Bigsby snaps tank Bigsby, 17%, 14%, and just 3%. And more importantly, Etienne has gone down himself. He saw 80% or more snaps in every single game from weeks four to eight. Hit 23 or more fantasy points in four of those five games. But then post by, it's all been downhill. If you're a Travis Etienne owner, you know this. He's been the running back 36, 21, and 19 on six, nine, and 13 fantasy points. But more importantly, just 63%, 65%, and 59% of the snaps for Travis Etienne. So already the role is just going down. We don't even need an injury necessarily for Dearness Johnson to start seeing some value. In fact, he is coming off season high 43% of the snaps last week. He's seen 20% or more of the rush attempts in three straight weeks as well. And we got Etienne now dealing with a chest injury. It has him questionable day-to-day this week as well. It's been a while since we've seen Dearness Johnson see meaningful work, but Two seasons ago, when Chubb this time and Kareem Hunt, and we had Darius Johnson get two, he had three games that year of 60% or more snaps, having 24 touches, two receptions, 168 yards, a touchdown, 24.8 fantasy points, the running back four. Week 10, 25 touches, seven catches, 157 yards from scrimmage, 22.7 PPR points, the running back six. And then in week 18, 26 touches. Is one catch, 133 yards from scrimmage, and a touchdown, 20.3 fantasy points to the running back nine. Yes, a top 10 running back in all three games that he saw 60% or more of the snaps. He saw over 24 touches in every single one of those games. So the guy is Dearness Johnson, a proven workhorse. When he can get that volume, he can get it done. So that is another guy to look at for your handcuff situations. My number three handcuff, Wolfpack, 
is Eli Mitchell, 17% rostered here. And we know the value. It's the San Fran offense that is third in scoring right now with 30.1 points per game, 30 run plays per game as well as sixth in the league. We know how brilliant this zone scheme is, and we know how good of a fit Eli Mitchell is. Now, CMC, we get it. He has 17 games last year, the first time he's played a full season in two two years now. And now he's lasted all 12 games this year. He left early in that Dallas game, but ultimately played the next week, played every single snap the next week. He's been an absolute warrior so far. He's second in carries, second in targets among running backs. It's a massive workload. He's holding up brilliantly. He probably will hold up. At this point, 91% of his games, CMC has been a running back one in all but one. His lowest output of the season is 14.2. He's been an animal. There's no doubt about it. This is the CMC show unless an injury strikes and just for two seasons before this it was back to back missed over half the season and so there is the risk that something happens here down the stretch run and we've seen Eli Mitchell as a rookie he was eighth in rushing yards despite only playing 11 games he was a beautiful fit for this zone scheme was the running back 12 in fantasy points per game that season and half PPR he had top 24 performances in 63 percent of those games 45 percent of his games were top 12 in half PPR leagues so we know Eli Mitchell can be a beautiful fit for this zone running scheme in the playoffs he gets Arizona in the week two that right right there in week 15 maybe he could come into value just standalone doesn't even necessarily need an injury but obviously if CMC missed that week 15 matchup we'd be breaking Eli as a top seven running back for that game. Baltimore in week 16, not so great, but then Washington in week 12, a top 12 matchup for running backs as well. So a great playoff schedule for Eli Mitchell. If anything does strike for CMC, we've seen this guy get it done time and time again. My number three handcuff on that list. Number two on my handcuff list is Kenny Gainwell, 27% rostered. In fact, we're already seeing the injury nip in nibble here at DeAndre Swift, who exited Sunday's contest against these 49ers late in the fourth quarter. Now, they were getting blown out. It's not a guarantee that Swift's going to miss any time here, but starting to see. It's, it's the first time we've seen Swift make it this far in a season in his entire career. We know that there's an injury track record there with DeAndre Swift, and we also know there's a track record with Kenny Gainwell really performing well in this offense when given the keys to it. Even this last week, in fact, two carries, five yards, not great, but the five catches, 42 additional yards, we've seen him Kenny Gainwell performed really, really well, especially as a pass catcher in here. As a rookie, he had games of 17.8, 17.2, 16.7. About a third of his games went for top 12 running back numbers, and he hasn't really gotten the usage similar to that. But this is the number four offense in the league, 27.4 points per game, and they have the best playoff schedule among all running back Seattle in week 15, the fourth most points to back, the most points across their last five games, getting absolutely destroyed by running backs. Oh, the Giants, the eighth best matchup in week 16. And then Arizona, the second best matchup for running backs in your championship week. So if this injury lingers for DeAndre Swift that he suffered, this ankle injury, if it worsens and that we have Kenny Gamble making a start, this is one of the best lines in football as well. The schedule is there. Kenny Gamble could be an absolute animal in your stretch run. So he's my number two handcuff in fantasy football. Really, really close, potentially right in line with my number one guy. That is Rico Doddle, though, for the Cowboys. Also the most available of all these handcuffs. Why? Well, one, the Cowboys offense is just an absolute machine right now. The number one scoring offense in the league, 32.3 points per game. But in their last three games, 39.7 points. They are absolutely cooking. Average 29 run plays per game. That's ninth in the league. 
This is a top three offensive line as well, particularly strong as run blocking. Tony Pollard himself, fifth in carries, 180, ninth in targets, 50 right there. There's tons of opportunity here if something does happen to Tony Pollard here. And even if it doesn't, we got Rico Dollar besting Tony Pollard right now on nearly every efficiency metric. Yards per carry, yards per touch. Tony Pollard only scoring 0.74 fantasy points per opportunity, whereas Rico Dollar, he's the running back 39, Pollard. Dahl's the running back 17 in points per opportunity, the running back 13 in yards per created per touch. He just looks really good every time he touches the ball. A lot of people out there comparing, like, Doddle's now the new Tony Pollard, and Tony Pollard's the new Zeke out there. So already, just efficiency-wise, eyeball test-wise, Rico Doddle is really passing the test. And if he had to make starts, we just talked about how ripe this overall offensive opportunity is. The schedule is mediocre. Buffalo, 13th most points allowed to backs, but then you get Miami and Detroit. Not great matchups for running backs, but also shootout-style fields. And I believe the Cowboys probably are one of those few teams that are actually matchup-proof consistently in the red zone, consistently churning out points. So that is a reason why I think Rico Doddle, if he gets that opportunity, there's also no one else he's contending with, too. It would be a 75 to 80% type of workload guy in the best offense in the league, making him my number one waiver wire handcuff out there in a ton of leagues. So that wraps up. We'll pack my top five handcuffs ahead of your fantasy playoffs. Just a reminder again, that this is what you need to be using your bench for. If you're looking ahead to your playoff schedules, you don't need those wide receiver fives, those running back fives on your bench anymore. You want to stash for as much upside and beat your opponents to the punch. So you're not dealing with waiver wire bidding wars, giving up your top priority picks, all that Good stuff. All right, we got about 20 of you here with us, Wolfpack. Please do consider that thumbs up button. Help us get out to more people. The next part of this waiver wire show is going to dive into some Tank Dell replacement plans. Obviously, there's no replacing one of the most exciting rookie receivers, one of the most maddening injuries we've seen. What is he doing blocking up the gut? This 165-pound, 5'9". What is? What are we doing here? I don't understand at all what Bobby, Bobby Sloak was thinking. He has some and to do. I hope the... Beat writers really interrogate this guy and wonder, what were you thinking? Brutal, brutal break for Tank Dell for his owners. It just is absolutely abysmal. We got to move on, though. We got to figure out ways that we can try to make up as many points as we can in his absence. So I've got a handful, about 10 players. We're going to go through the top six options and a couple honorable mentions right now to see what you can do to try to replace this. And even if you just don't need to replace Tank Dell, you just need a wide receiver. This could also be really beneficial information for you. So deep league honorable mentions in terms of Tank Dell replacement plans, starting with Jonathan Mingo. He had 10 targets, six catches, 69 yards in the Panthers last game. And this now marks three straight games. Now four straight games actually with 20% or higher target share for Jonathan Mingo. He's run 89% or higher routes in three straight games. We've seen his points go from two to 10 to 13 trending right now. Wide receiver 24 week. This last one, I get it. I don't necessarily really want to attach myself to a Bryce Young weapon either. It is so sickening and we're seeing Thielen crumble. And I don't think I could ever, truly trust Jonathan Mingo. This is an exciting specimen that's starting to get in more increasing role here. Maybe just maybe he continues to pick this pace up and has a nice stretch run finish here. The schedule isn't scary at all. Alec Pierce also getting an honorable mention. Sophomore season has been such a disappointment for Alec Pierce. I really like the kid. I was hoping for a breakout. All the training camp buzz was really, really pouring in on this kid. He hasn't had a single meaningful day until this past week. Six targets, three catches, 100 yards, including that deep touchdown bomb. It was by far his best game. And as a rookie, we saw some real flashes. 10, 12, 12 points, three games in a row. Then was up and down the carousel, but then ended the season with a 16.6. It's 
kid's a speedster, ball skills. I'm surprised they're not using him in a more intermediate role like the training camp beat reports were suggesting. But Pittman's just obviously dominating in that role right now. But should something happen to Pittman or if this is maybe the launching point for Alec Pierce, worth a stash. These, again, are very, very deep league. I know a lot of you say not available in my league. Well, these guys are out there for you if you're desperate. Also out there in a lot of leagues, my number six wide receiver pickup of this week is Jalen Hyatt coming off the bye. He's actually one of only three rookie receivers. We know Tango Puka Nakua obviously dominating this year, but Jalen Hyatt's the only other rookie to top 75 or more yards in three of his games this season. And you probably wouldn't know that. I was shocked to see that stat as well, given that it's one in the Giants with a moribund, horrendous attack that nobody would imagine that a receiver in that offense is actually performing. But he's been really solid. And especially when given the opportunity, he got the best opportunity of the season that week before the bye against my Patriots. I was watching this kid, and he was as electric as I expected. Six targets, five catches, 109 yards, ran 70% of the routes, was a season high there, and as well as a season high 26% target share and a whopping 65% of the air yards that game. And yet, despite all this deep yardage, 83% of his targets were deemed catchable. That is amazing, that deep efficiency. That's how wide open and separating he was getting. And that was consistently what he did over there at Tennessee. When he won the Bolitnikoff Award, he was high, he had that six-catch, 207-yard, five-touchdown day against the Crimson Tide. This is a guy with an insane track record in college that's shown that he can also do that in the pros with that 91st percentile, 4-4, 40-yard dash, highlight reel kind of guy all camp. The schedule gets pretty soft. You know, He got Green Bay, not the best of matchups this week. But after that, New Orleans without Lattimore is getting absolutely dusted. Then Philly's giving up the most points to receivers. And then the Rams, middle of the road. So the schedule gets actually pretty soft here for Jalen Hyatt. And if Tyrod Taylor comes back, even better. He was activated off the injured reserve today. We'll see when he officially enters the lineup. But he was Jalen Hyatt's boy before going out. And Tommy DeVito, either way, is slinging it nice and deep to Hyatt. Very intriguing rookie talent that I would like to see more of and certainly willing to stash in some deeper leagues. Jamison Williams, 24% rostered, about 5-10% to 10% of my fab I would be willing to spend on him. We now have three straight weeks. He had never run 60% or more routes his entire NFL career, and bam, 11, 12, and 13 weeks. Every single one of them was 62% or higher route share. Now, he isn't getting a ton of works and look on that, and yet he still put up 12, 7, and 10 PPR points in those three games. Every time he gets the ball, he just looks so electric. Anybody watching that game where he scored the go-ahead 19-yard rushing touchdown on that kind of end-around play, it was just ridiculous how much faster he was than every single player on that field. He's making highlight play blocks as well, getting the, the trust of his coach. Coaches and offensive Ben offensive corner Ben Johnson, one of my favorite play calls in the league, did say that Williams should be seeing increased usage moving forward. Williams reps, quote, are going up. He continues to get out there, and the ball is going to just keep gravitating to him a little bit more than it already has. So an increased role for a truly special athlete. We're talking 43940, 94th percentile speed with a 6-1 at size speed terror. We saw it in college. 79 catches, 1572 yards, 19.9 yards per reception. Never was underseen in the half yards per reception his entire career 15 touchdowns on those 79 catches he was an absolute game record that many said was the most upside to any prospect in that 
Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, a ridiculously talented class. Many of them had many talent values. I like had Jamison Williams as their top prospect. And we could potentially see that role grow. According to Ben Johnson, we're seeing the flashes. We're seeing the glimpses. If it becomes a full-time role with seven to eight targets, they continue to get this guy, the ball in space. Look out. He could, he has probably the highest upside of any receiver on this list, despite the, the lowest floor too, as a potential replacement plan. I couldn't really believe how productive Elijah Moore, 42% rostered right now, how he's been even with Amari Cooper in the lineup. But now Amari Cooper suffers a concussion. Joe Flacco steps right in. And also one of the more shocking developments is how good Flacco's arm looked. That ball was spinning like it was five years ago, how healthy that thing was ripping. And and certainly over DTR, PJ Walker, that arm was very live for Joe Flacco. And we know that Elijah Moore has been his boy in the past 12 targets, only four catches, 83 yards, though, looking really, really solid. Elijah Moore making some crucial, crucial move the chains. That was a 28% target share. And quietly over these last fours, we've now seen Elijah Moore put up 15, 12, 7, and 12 PPR points. Been the wide receiver 20, 25, 55, and 27. So three of his last four inside your top 27 wide receivers. Really, really solid for Elijah Moore. Now gets his boy, Joe Flacco at quarterback. Maybe Amari Cooper. How We don't know how long this injury is going to linger, but until he's back, it's going to be the clear-cut number one target for Elijah Moore, just like he was this last week. And the schedule isn't too shabby here for your Browns. So assuming that Joe Flacco continues to get more comfortable, looking as solid as he did, we got his number one weapon here in Elijah Moore. That's definitely a guy I would be looking to spend 6 to 12% minimum. And these fab estimations, they're just guesses. If you lost Tank Dell and you need a wide receiver, you might have to put up 25 30% to get Eli Moore. You know your league better than I do. you got to make sure you go and get at least one of these guys. And I would say Curtis Samuel. Now, the risk here is he's on by this week. We can't help you right away if you're trying to replace Tank Dell. So you might have to look back to any of those other guys we talked about or my top two options here if you need that immediate plug and play. But if you just want some nice receiver depth, Curtis Samuel has become by far the most consistent wideout in this Washington offense. Five targets, four catches, 65 yards, just by an inch, missing a touchdown as well this last week. He's only 38% roster right now. I think another 20 so bid makes sense to get him just a week ago 12 targets nine catches 100 yards 19 ppr fantasy points 36 targets per route run so back-to-back pretty impressive weeks kind of building off again we saw a three-week span from weeks four to six he had 18.2 18.5 and 14.2 fantasy points in a three-game span and we're starting to see him catch fire yet again with sam howell since returning from injury back in their healthy game he averages Curtis Samuel a significantly more points per game than Terry McLaurin, even who's consistently ranked 20 spots above Curtis Samuel. He had a zero last week. It is clear that we have Curtis Samuel getting targeted so much by Sam Howell, who that dates back kind of to his college days where he targeted Josh Downs, a slot receiver, whopping 41% of the time in college. We're seeing that kind of translate here with Curtis Samuel. So if you don't need that immediate play, we got the bye again this week. They get the Rams in middle of the road matchup, the Jets in week 16. That sucks. But then week 17 with San Fran 49ers, actually really bad against wide receivers, a top 12 matchup for wideouts in particular, really solid for slots. So Curtis Samuel with this really impressive role here in this commander's offense, a great potential replacement plan for you. You just got to stomach that bye week. Now, maybe a way to stomach 
that bye week could be Odell Beckham, my number two potential waiver wire plan to replace Tank Dell. Now, last week out was pretty disappointing in week 12 because from weeks 9, 10, and 11, we really were seeing a different Odell Beckham. I mean, he talked about how I'm explosive, I'm back, I'm feeling good. And in that span, wide receiver 10, wide receiver 30, and wide receiver 18. We had a game, four catches, 116 yards for Odell Beckham. And then he had a shoulder injury, was in a minimal role in week 12, played 33% of the routes, and that was it. But the big thing was he saw 42% targets per route run. And the week before that, 41% targets per route run. So when he was in, he was winning on his routes and he was getting the ball slung in his direction. So as long as he's healthy and he's running more routes, that continues over that 41 and 42% targets per route. That's elite metric right there for a wider that we've seen be an absolute hero down stretch runs before. So coming out of the bye, if he is healthy, this could easily be a top 24 option for you. And I could see Odell Beckham being worth 12, 20%, again, 25 if you need to spend it to go get this guy. This is an offense you want a piece of, and their schedule is pretty solid here for passing games moving forward, the Ravens. And, of course, again, no Mark Andrews, so they're going to need weapons. We saw Isaiah Flowers step up. Isaiah likely saw some targets, but we could definitely see Odell Beckham fill a huge void for this offense. My number one potential replacement, though, for Tank Dell, why not look outside this organization at all? Look at Noah Brown, his teammate, 40% rostered. I think this guy's worth 20 to 25%, maybe even more of your fab. When Tank Dell went down, we had Noah Brown step in for 93% of the routes compared to just 46% for Robert Woods, 37% for John Mechie. It was definitely a full-time role for Noah Brown. And I get he didn't do much this week with it. He was coming back from injury. He didn't look fully, fully healthy himself, but just for the last three weeks before that, before he got hurt, he had led the team in receiving in weeks eight, nine, and 10, all three of them in a row. Now, the week eight one was eh, and so-so, but weeks nine and 10, we saw Noah Brown go for 153 and 172 yards was the wide receiver five and wide receiver three in those two games during that span. And yeah, he gets the Jets this week, not the best spot to go and toss Noah Brown in. But after that, he gets Tennessee twice, a top eight matchup in particular, getting destroyed by outside wide receivers. So it does depend where he ends up lining up. He's been in the slot moving them around, but they know why not go after another piece of this CJ Stroud offense as he's on pace to smash Every single rookie passing record of Andrew Lux, just obviously such a special player that's elevating everybody around him. We've seen him elevate Noah Brown to top five numbers in back-to-back weeks before. There's a real chance that that happens here the rest of the way, especially because it was very clear. Even though, again, the stats weren't there this week, it was very clear Noah Brown is going to be that guy that steps into a full-time role and could really do some damage as the next man up for C.J. Stroud. That's where I'd like to attack this first. But, of course, Odell Beckham, Curtis Samuel, Eli Moore, Jamison Williams, and Jalen Hyatt. Also, some other options to look at if you missed out on Noah Brown and he's not out there in your leagues. Those are some other names that could help soften the blow. You're never going to replace Tank Dell, but those are some names that could help soften the blow on your Week 14 waiver wire. And that brings us to our last three names before we start getting into some defensive strategy and then on to all your questions, Wolfpack. So please keep getting those questions in. Keep filling that mailbag. If you haven't already hit that thumbs up button and you enjoy what you're hearing, please consider doing so. And certainly if you're new around here, let's get in for that championship push. Please consider hitting subscribe. We'd love to have you here for the long term. But of course, that thumbs up really does help us get out to more people. It would really mean a lot to me if you like what you're hearing. Now, I did want to just shout out, this isn't a handcuff. This is just kind of that middle running back, that 
weirdly is taking over a backfield and yet still out there in a bunch of leagues that wrote that's Roshan Johnson very exciting rookie talent tons of impressive metrics as a receiver so far this year and it looked like he was taking over this Bears backfield the last time out and that's why I think he's probably worth 20 25 percent of your fab to take a shot here this is the guy this coaching staff this regime hand selected and last time out with Khalil Herbert active he did start Herbert he got the first carry of the game and that that was it. He saw six carries compared to 15 touches going to Roshan Johnson. Johnson himself played 75% of the snaps, 44% of the rush attempts, and a very, very solid 49% of the routes and 14% target share for Johnson. He ended up putting up 12 PPR points with the running back 21 in that workload. He does have a tougher schedule. The Lions, Browns, and Falcons are all bottom 10 matchups here for Roshan. So that's why I wouldn't go crazy blowing all my fab. Plus, this production did come with Foreman out of the lineup. So you have to have a couple of those caveats attached to this. But I do think there's a very reason this coaching staff just wants to see what do we have in this exciting rookie, this guy that actually had more broken tackles per touch than teammate Bijan Robinson at Texas, just didn't have quite the workload as Bijan, of course, a generational prospect. It makes sense why Roshan didn't beat him out, but he did play very, very well every time he came in. He's really shown well every time he's played at the professional level so far. So just like any exciting rookie, we so often see these guys blossom over that final stretch run. Maybe Roshan goes on a crazy, crazy stretch here. Certainly could be taken over this Bears backfield based on that last week usage before their bye week that they're coming off of right now. But Wolfpack, our top two pickups of the week are also both running backs. Let's dive on in to Tajay Spears versus Zeke Elliott. We talked at the top of the show about handcuffs. We've talked about both these guys many, many times on our show. And this is why you got to handcuff either your running backs or stack your bench and steal them from your opponents. Because now both of these guys are going to be stepping into starting roles, both for different extended periods of time with Unclear right now how long both the absences are going to be of Ramondre Stevenson, of Derrick Henry, but you can probably bet that at least one week of starting for both Zeke Elliott and Tajay Spears with the potential to be a lot longer for at least maybe Ramondre Stevenson. That hit did not look good. The ankle did not look great in that case. So which one do you prioritize here? Well, Tajay Spears, 16 carries, 75 yards, in addition to six targets, four catches for 13, 22 opportunities. He's the only running back to touch the ball in this offense other than Derrick Henry, who did suffer a concussion. He's in concussion protocol right now. An older running back here. I can't imagine the Titans in a lost season are going to rush Derrick Henry back. So I think you're getting at least one start out of Tajay Spears facing a Miami team. And that could really favor this guy, one of the most impressive pass catchers of this rookie running back class. He has looked really solid when given the chance, very explosive with the ball in his hands. And again, the only running back to touch the ball at all other than Derrick Henry in this offense. And with Henry knocked out for a decent amount of this game, saw 65% of the snaps, 40% of the rushes, 65% of the routes, and a very healthy 19% target share going to Tajay Spears. He racked up 13 PPR points, was the running back 14 with that workload. Now, on the other hand, Zeke Elliott, like I mentioned, Ramondre Stevenson, that ankle injury did not look good. Now, they took x-rays, they're negative. It's not a fracture, so it might not be a season ender. But also the Patriots, what do they have? What incentive? Do they have to rush Ramondre back out here? They're in tank mode. This is probably the perfect excuse to get one of their best and only productive players off the field and allow them to be that much worse as they try to climb to that number one overall pick. And in that absence of Ramondre, Zeke Elliott saw 17 carries, 52 yards, in addition to four catches for 40 yards. And 
I'll be the first to say it. Zeke actually looks like he's got different burst levels this year than what we had seen for a couple seasons in a row there with the Cowboys. He came back leaner. He came back meaner. He's definitely been pretty impressive. And in that absence, 69% of the snaps, 59% of the rushes, 52% routes, 21% target share. Really, really impressive. Also putting up 13 fantasy points on his touches, also ranking in the top 15 running backs this last week. Now, to me, if you got to take one or the other, that becomes the debate here, right? Like if I only have one limited bit, I do think you can potentially just unload it all to get one of these guys. They both have okay schedules. Spears, Miami, a toughish matchup, but then Houston twice, top 15 matchup and Seattle in week 16. So we've talked about one of the best matchups for running backs. So that schedule looks pretty good, even though it does seem like Henry will probably be back for a decent amount of that. Whereas Ramondre seems more likely to miss extensive time, potentially the rest of the year. So I do think you got to maybe prioritize Zeke, despite being the lesser talent and the lesser offense with less of an overall ceiling. I do think you might be getting a number one running back for four weeks here to close out the year and he gets Pittsburgh 15th most points Kansas City 19th most points Denver in your semifinals the most points allowed to running backs and then Buffalo the 13th most points allowed to backs there and so yeah I get it the offense averages under 10 points per game across their last three the touchdown upside is quite low here for Zeke Elliott but we're seeing a very healthy receiving role also attached to him and it's not like the Titans are this juggernaut that are going to create significantly more opportunities Depends on how desperately you need this starter here. If you could use a starter for the rest of the season, if your flex is looking real ugly now that you lost Tank Dell, I'd probably go higher for Zeke here. But if you're also just looking for the higher upside play, especially if something lingered with Derrick Henry or the team just wanted to shut him down for the season, Tajay Spears definitely is in the higher upside offense, the higher upside talent, the higher upside player. And in that case, I typically do go after Spears. I would probably bid my money on Spears over Zeke if I had the option to go after them both. I think they're both great options. So if only one of them's there, go out and go for them. But I would prioritize Spears just slightly over Zeke, even though the floor is a little bit higher with Zeke. The ceiling is so, so capped in this hideous, hideous Patriots team. So that is why I would go after Spears just a little bit more aggressively than I would Zeke Elliott if I had the choice of those two. So that wraps up Wolfpack, our top week 14 waiver wire prospects. We're going to move into some defensive strategy and then it's on to all your questions. I know it's again, a little bit of a different show here than we typically do because those playoffs are almost here and it is time to optimize those rosters and get ahead, get, get ahead of your competition, stash the right defenses, stash the right handcuffs. All of that stuff is much more important than those immediate plug and plays. When you have all your buys gone at this point, you don't need the depth nearly as much. So we got to up, update those benches to have the highest, highest potential ceiling. So as we move into defensive talks, again, I know I beg for it often, but those thumbs up, they do continue to get us out to more people. They continue to help us grow. It's so greatly appreciated. Keep filling that mailbag. That also does help us go. Let's talk about some playoff defensive strategy though. So as mentioned, roster spots are so much more precious here in the playoffs and getting that one to two defensive punch where you play this defense has a better matchup in week 15 followed by week 16 if you're getting 15 or more points from your defense in your playoffs that could be the difference between winning a title and not getting to your championship and i think we've got some really really clear answers this year in 2023 out of which way to go so I will say first, some defenses to check for that are not out there in 50% of leagues, but there's some reasons for fantasy owners to drop them. 
the first one would 100% be, be for me, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, they're facing Buffalo this week, so I've seen them get dropped in a lot of leagues right now. They get New England in Week 15. You don't need me to tell you why that's such a juicy matchup. The Raiders in Week 16, eighth most points allowed, and Aiden O'Connell just looser and looser with the ball. And then the Jake Browning-led Bengals in your Week 17 championship week. All three of those matchups are great for a defense that, yeah, the last couple of weeks has not been nearly as strong, but over the course of the season, they're still a top six unit in points per game. They've been very, very solid. And I think they are a team to definitely the best, just top to bottom week 15 to 17. All three matchups are good for a very talented defense. So check for your chiefs, check for your Browns as well. They've had a couple underwhelming weeks and back-to-back ones, but this could be an awesome, awesome streamer to pair up with another one. Because in week 15, Ooh, they get Chicago, six most points allowed, two defenses. And then week 17, the Jets. What's better than a matchup with the New York Jets? They have been so, so abysmal these last few games. In fact, since their bye week, <laughs> the Jets have given up 12, 27, 8, 21, 21, and 17 points to opposing defenses. They have not scored more than 13 points in a single game. So the Jets in your championship week for one of the best defenses in the league, a team that has given up the fewest passing yards. Cleveland will definitely be a potential title swinger if you can get to week 17 with them in that type of matchup. Now, the rub here is in week 16. It does get a little bit uglier there. They get Houston. and We know how good C.J. Stroud has been, but there's plenty of op- op- opportunities to stash. Maybe the commanders who get the Jets we were just talking about in week 16. They're out there in every league, the commanders. So maybe you can pair those two up, go back-to-back, Facing the Jets, it's a winning strategy this year. Go for that if you're looking for a first check defense. You also got the Jets, though, as a very solid defense. They're also top seven in fantasy points. They still haven't quite quit on their team, which is great. They get Miami in week 15. You don't want to use them then. But in week 16, Washington, who we know is giving up the most sacks in the league, the third most points to defenses. And then Cleveland themselves, Joe Flacco, sure, this offense looked better with him. But we saw that interception he threw. It's not by any means a turnover-proof team. This is a that could definitely swallow up Cleveland in your championship week as well. 79% rostered, but given that they hit Houston and Miami these next two weeks, we could see the Jets get dropped by a lot of teams. And then Philadelphia, 72% rostered, but they get the Cowboys this week. Maybe we see them get dropped ahead of the fantasy playoffs where they get Seattle, a mediocre matchup, but then Arizona, uh, or New York Giants rather, the most points allowed to defenses. And then Arizona, a top 10 matchup for defenses as well. So those are some teams to first check for. I will say this. I've got a team that I would have, they're out there in 70% of leagues that I would pick up even ahead of all of those teams. We're going to get to them in a second. The team that I consider the cheat code of your fantasy playoffs But the other strategy you can make sure to double check is who's playing the Pats, Jets, Panthers, and Giants. Those teams have been a a potential 20-point blow-up for teams on your defensive radar. So just to quickly summarize who's facing those teams for your Patriots, they get the Chiefs in Week 15, as we mentioned, and then Denver, 37% rostered. So again, if you have the Browns defense and you don't want to face Houston – Pick up Denver, who gets the Patriots in that week. The Denver Broncos do get the Chargers and Detroit Lions otherwise, so not a great spot in those, but getting the Patriots at home in Week 16, a defense that's been 9, 9, and 10 points before facing Houston this last week. They've been playing really solid ball, so I think the Broncos could be a sneaky semifinal stash, especially if you have a bye week. Definitely a team to look for. The Patriots then get the Bills 73% roster. That could be a league winner in Week 17 as well. Who's facing the Jets? 
Miami, 91% roster, so probably not out there for you. But if they are, boom, week 15 against the Jets. Then we got the Commanders that we talked about, 18% roster, another plug and play in your semifinals. A lot of potential streaming options out there in your semifinal weeks. And then week 17, Cleveland, as mentioned, against the Jets, a team that has not scored more than 13 points since their bye week eight weeks ago has given up 20-plus points in half of their games to defenses. So that could be Cleveland. I mean, would be a monster. But the Commanders in Week 16, a potential plug-and-play, who's facing the Giants, the most points allowed to defenses on the season, the Saints in Week 15, then the Eagles in Week 16, and then the Rams, 36% rostered. They get the Giants in Week 17 as well. Definitely a team that has the pass rush to get after a team that's given up the most sacks in the league besides the commanders could be a good spot as well. And then who's facing Carolina, Atlanta, they're on the road and they get the Panthers, the green Bay on the road gets the Panthers again. And then the Jags at home in week 17, they're 74% rosters so are probably not out there, but both Atlanta and green Bay out there in a lot of leagues, they could also be plug and plays in weeks 15 and 16 respectively. So that's one way to attack your playoffs, but maybe you just want defenses with good matchups all the way through. Let's summarize a couple of those for you, but then get to my cheat code defense. Then again, this is the answer to the test. This is the one defense you need. First though, the Rams, as we just mentioned, they get Baltimore in week 14, not a great spot. So they're probably going to be out there 36% rostered. Then they get Washington in week 15 at home, third most points in defenses. New Orleans probably playing Jameis Winston, a turnover machine there in week 16. And then as mentioned, the Giants in week 17 for your Rams. That is a great three-week stretch for a defense that has, yeah, been vastly mediocre this year, but they still have Aaron Donald and a good D-line that can pressure the quarterback. They still have okay corners that have made plays and turnovers before. So this is a defense that could get hot at the right time. I like looking at them. I also love Green Bay, who's a good play this week. They get the Giants in week 14. After that, Tampa Bay at home. Baker Mayfield's arm looks like it is just deflating right before our eyes. And then they get Carolina, the fifth most points in your semifinals. And then Minnesota with Josh Dobbs looking like that is turning into a pumpkin quite fast. That's the ninth most points allowed to defenses. So the fifth most points, the ninth most points in your semis and your championship week make Green Bay at only 19% rostered a very good potential spot as well. I also maybe consider, as mentioned, they get Carolina, fifth most points to defenses. They get the Colts in week 16, not the top spot in my opinion, but then Chicago in week 17, also a pretty good spot. Six most points allowed, two defenses. And Chicago themselves get a pretty good schedule here with Cleveland, the seventh most points in week 15, Arizona, the 10th most points, and then Atlanta, the 11th most points, all potential options for you. But as I was teasing Wolfpack, there is a defensive cheat code. There is a team that I think could absolutely swing leagues. And the best part is they have a good week 14 matchup. So you could even use them this week as well. And who is that team? Look no further than the Indianapolis Colts. 31% rostered out there in nearly 70% of leagues. And I think they are going to swing titles this year. Just look at their last four games. 26, 16, 11, and 18 fantasy points in their last four games. They are the number three defense in fantasy points on the year, but even better, they're the number one team in that four-week span by a mile. 17.5 fantasy points per game in those last four. That is five more points more than the next closest team uh, to them. They have in that span an absurd 21 sacks across those four games. That's five in .25 sacks, three defensive touchdowns, nearly one per game. Nine takeaways, over two takeaways per game in that span. And who do they get in your fantasy playoffs? 
The Trubisky-led Steelers at home. Desmond Ritter on the road in Week 16. Pathetic. And then at home again for Aiden O'Connell and the Raiders. That is all three top 10 matchups that are even better when you consider how bad these quarterbacks are, these replacement-level guys coming in. I think the Indianapolis Colts, based on how hot they're entering your playoffs, plus the matchups that they've got coming up, are so good. And then you also get them in Week 14 facing Jake Browning on the road. A really, really good spot for your Colts there. So they've been a complete and utter cheat code for these last four weeks, and they've got the schedule to continue doing so through your fantasy playoffs. I think they're worth a a good, solid, fab bid here to lock them in at minimum so you're not facing them, but to definitely use against your opponents here. The Indianapolis Colts are far and away my number one defensive ad of 2023 fantasy playoffs. So that wraps up our playoff defensive talk, Wolfpack. I did want to get into, just because so many people do tune in to our week 14 streamers. So we will now turn our attention to the week 14 defensive streamers. Who are your top week 14 defensive streamers for this one week? If you got to win, you can't look ahead to your fantasy house. Certainly check that clip out if you do want to make sure to optimize for weeks 15 17, but you got to win. You got to get in. Let's talk about a few teams that could really help you out. First, the New Orleans Saints facing Carolina, 43% rostered. And as alluded to, they've given up three or more sacks in seven straight games. The Panthers have four, all but one of those games has been four or more sacks as well. They haven't scored more than 18 points since week five. Absolutely abysmal. They've given up 726, 721, 10, and seven points. So a nice baked in floor. You're going to get seven probably from the Saints at home, fired up in the Superdome, trying to win this division. They're still alive there. They are in a great spot to rebound big after getting smashed by the Lions. They're going to come back angry here and swallow up this pathetic Bryce Young offense. But I even like the Houston Texans, despite being on the road even more. They had eight more fantasy points in three of their last four games. Their last game out, 10 fantasy points against Denver, given three sacks and three interceptions in that game. The Young Guns are really coming to life here for this Houston defense and they also get a pretty good schedule after this not only do they get the Jets team this week 14 who as we mentioned 12 27 8 21 21 and 17 points in their last six games allowed two defenses I mean that is league winning stuff right there the Texans could be the latest to queue up another 20 plus points against them uh, but even after that you get Tennessee twice you get Cleveland sandwiched in between there so Houston does actually have some long tail upside here for your fantasy playoffs if you want to add them this week. But then I also mentioned the Packers who have a very, very good playoff schedule. Well, they also get a great matchup this week against the Giants who have given up the most points to defenses. And we have the Green Bay Packers right now. Uh, they have scored 12-1-5-15 and they only gave up 19 points to the Kansas City Chiefs. Six fantasy points as a defense against the Chiefs. That's not shabby at all. They have back-to-back games with at least three sacks. They have at least one takeaway in all of their last five weeks and a defensive touchdown in there as well. It's a pretty opportunistic secondary. They've been doing this all without Jair Alexander as well, who could be due back in against, again, a bad, bad Giants team that's given up the most sacks in the league so far this year. So that could be a good matchup, your Packers. But I just want to emphasize again, I would look no further. If they're out there in your league, there is no reason to turn your attention to anyone other than the Indianapolis Colts. This week in week 14, they get Cincinnati, who led by Jake Browning is an absolute dumpster fire. And 
we want to just emphasize again, 26, 16, 11, and 18 fantasy points in their last four games. 17 and a half points per game, by far the most in the league. Five more points than the next closest defense. 21 sacks in that span, nine takeaways, three touchdowns across these last four games. It has been a absurd stretch run for the Chiefs or the Colts rather. And then you get a very, very nice playoff schedule as well with Mitch Trubisky, Desmond Ritter, and Aiden O'Connell, the quarterbacks that they're due to face in your most important weeks. So not only could they piss you over the edge here in week 14 and get you into your playoffs, they could then bring you that title after the fact. So those are the top week 14 defensive streamers, but definitely at the top of the list is the Colts, both for this week and for your long-term upside there in your fantasy playoffs. I cannot stress enough how confident I am that this team is going to go on a crazy run and continue this absurd stretch that they've been having. All righty, Wolfpack. I know that was a lengthy, different waiver wire show full of handcuffs, full of tank Dell waiver wire replacement plants, full of defensive streamers, both for right now and your fantasy playoffs, trying to do my best to help you get ready for the now and for the future of your fantasy leagues. I hope you found that extremely helpful. Let's dive into all the questions that you guys have. As we do, please do consider that thumbs up button. It would be so greatly appreciated. Let's go, Wolfpack. Smash the like and sub, says the Bulldog. Thank you, brother. RJ Bacani consistently giving us the super chats. We know it. We greatly appreciate it. It is so appreciated, my man. 10 and 3, let's go. Miami or San Fran D. My homes are Stroud. And by the way, a change needed. It did not. We put him in there and 22 points yet again. Another top five running back effort for him. Great stuff indeed. So I would go Miami this week. Uh, and just to get the Jets the next week too. Miami's just absolutely cooking on defense. Uh, San Fran, also very, very solid defense. But Seattle, just kind of cooked that Cowboys defense that's really solid too. So I prefer Miami this week. Um, they have definitely been rolling, and I think they're going to continue to do so this week. Let's go, Giuseppe. What's up? We're back in the playoffs. Let's repeat it. Back-to-back weeks. I love it. Defend that title, baby. You lost Tank Dell. Would you target Noah Brown? Well, yeah, as you saw, he was my number one potential replacement. A in-house, stay with C.J. Stroud. He's made good things happen for Tank Dell, and not that Noah Brown could be Tank Dell. He's not, but he did have 153 and 172 yards with Tank Dell also on the field. So now the clear number two behind Nico Collins. Yeah, I think Noah Brown is absolutely the top replacement option. But as you saw, we went through five others. Jaws, I know I was a little late today. I wanted to make sure to get all this info. As you can tell, it's one of the most loaded waiver wire shows we've had in a while. So appreciate you waiting it out here. Uh, we did have to push back just a solid uh, amount there, but we are back in business, baby. I hope you're still here. Uh, and, and this information is helpful. Give take my fibula. I don't need it, says Charlie. I'll give it mine too if it helps. Uh, yeah, I, I'm so sad about it, man. It's absolutely gut wrenching for sure. And, and the manner of the injury is, is what makes it so, so frustrating as well. Thought I was safe having Charbonnet backing up Walker. Might need to get McIntosh. I mean, seriously, yeah, DJ Talis already rostered. Uh, I would say. Uh, Gainwell is definitely much more of a priority than DJ Dallas or McIntosh. We don't have any real update quite yet on Swift, but he did leave the game. I imagine because they're getting blown out, there's no real reason to rush him back. I think we'll probably see him this week, but that's just a guess. There's no real confirmation there. And we know we've seen DeAndre Swift miss extensive time, time and time again here. So I definitely think Gainwell is a very, very nice add here, Jaws. How do we replace Dell moving forward? So Diego, obviously, uh, if you were here, you saw that whole segment on take Dell replacement plans. If you didn't, uh, uh, we were already on receivers. There you go. All Dell replacements. Yeah. That was the whole point of that segment. So I, I see your follow-up question. Yeah. So you got it there, but again, Noah Brown, Curtis Samuel, 
uh, Odell Beckham, you know, Jameson Williams, all guys I would look at to potentially really, yeah, I actually am really intrigued. Josh is actually, he actually looked, a couple of glimpses while he was out there looked solid, but until we see him get an actual meaningful route share, I can't really recommend him as an ad, but if you're in a really, really deep league, which it sounds like you might be sure. Yeah. I, I could see that for sure. Any potential for Jonathan Mingo? Yeah, Bulldog. I talked about it. Ten targets. I just, again, uh, would I ever be able to trust him with a Bryce Young offense? I don't think so. So, yeah, we, we've seen the trend in the right way. You know, three straight weeks of 20% or more target share. 89% of the routes are better in all three. Like, it, it's trending the right way, but I still don't think I could ever potentially trust it there, Bulldog. Henry was evaluated but never put in concussion protocol. Expected to play next. Uh, so, okay, Justin, that's, that's great stuff. I, I did not realize that. I thought he was... I saw it today, though. He was put into concussion protocol today. So you might want to double-check that. Um, I did see, like, on Sunday he didn't officially put him, but then today he is now in protocol. Maybe maybe he's fine. Still, Spears definitely, as you're saying, is a great stash with a great schedule down the line. But I do believe he was put in protocol today. So uh, maybe double-check that one for me. But I, that was a note I did see um, earlier today as well. Would you rather have Jaden Reed, JSN, or Hyatt? Keaton Mitchell or Pierce? Definitely Keaton Mitchell of everybody here, right? <laughs> of the receivers, I think JSN is the one I'd go for. 11 targets, team high, last week even with Lockett and Metcalf healthy. So he's got a standalone, very solid role right now, JSN. Best playoff schedule for wide receivers. And if something ever does happen to Lockett or Metcalf, he's going to be a monster down the stretch. So either way, I really like his role. But then when you factor in the potential ceiling for JSN, I think he is much, much better to stash we're going to keep going through all your questions Wolfpack. but before i have you guys go i did want to just pump at least one more time the shop.rotostreetjournal.com store we've got all our rsj gear up on here plus plenty of other gear for your fantasy needs whether you want to do some punishments for your last place loser whether you have a baby that you want to put in your sleeper collection uh whether you want to find fantasy zen with your lucky fantasy shirts and mugs and anything else that your heart desires if you want to support your guy and rep your favorite brand here this is some awesome swag it's so so comfortable i'm in the hoodie right now very reasonable priced in my opinion uh print on demand so the shipping prices i get it they're not the best in the world man if you could stomach it for us support your boys rep the gear get our name out there uh mean the world so check out shop.rotostreetjournal.com it is our merchandise collection and um, we'd love to have you guys rep the brand hopefully if you ordered it by now you would certainly get it for christmas time as well some great hoodies some great beanies tons of great winter gear for you so i just wanted to pump that out for you and of course that thumbs up button if you can't buy it here that's totally understandable but give us that easy thumbs up that does help us out for free wolf back all righty cruz garcia uh, start three going forward. Kyron, Pollard, Gibbs, A-Chan. It always comes down to matchup, right? But Kyron's never coming out of my lineup. A-Chan's never coming out of my lineup, assuming he's healthy. So it will be Pollard versus Gibbs week-to-week basis. I do feel a little bit better about Pollard's workload, but he just looks so inefficient. And obviously, if something did happen to David Montgomery, we've seen Gibbs be a top three running back, right? So this is fluid, but if all of them stay healthy, you're probably never benching Kyron and A-Chan. Cruz is how I would think about that. Reborn Jungle. Injuries have rolled me last two weeks. JT, now Stevenson. Do you like Spears, Zeke, or Gainwell the most? So I do like Spears the most, uh, but ultimately it does depend. Like if you need it, sometimes the injuries are killing you, right? If you need the immediate starter, it's much more guaranteed that Zeke is actually starting on Thursday night, right? So if you need the immediate starter, plus potentially the long term, I, I don't think the Patriots are going to rush Ramondre back. 
I bet you that's the last we've seen of him. They're trying to tank. Why put one of your best players at jeopardy of further injuring himself this offseason, right? So I think Zeke's the best bet to make four starts the rest of the way here. So if you need a starter, it sounds like you might reborn jungle. I would go to Zeke here. That being said, if you're just looking for a stash with upside, I think Spears has the most. I think you can get a start out of them this week. And if they they play it slow with Henry, uh, they just don't want to force him out there, right? He's an older running back. Then, yeah, I think you could get Spears potentially for your stretch run as well. So I'd rank them most often Spears, then Zeke, then Gainwell. Um, but if you definitely need that starter right away, I do think Zeke uh, is is the most safe uh, bet to be there. And Bulldog, I see you uh, – you asked about Texans Diva and you caught yourself because I did go over them for sure. They have an okay playoff schedule, a pretty good one. Not quite as good as some of the other teams I highlighted, but for week 14, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, coming up this week against the Jets. Yeah, let's go. I mean, come on now. Yeah, anybody against the Jets is viable and certainly a defense that's surging. I have Kansas City and Miami for the playoffs. John, you're in good shape. Both have good matchups throughout. You can kind of alternate there. Um, I think Kansas City has the top to bottom best schedule of any defense. I still think the Colts could be absolute league winners, though. RJ Bacani with Stroud up against the Jets this week. Is Mahomes worth a start? Uh, yeah, I would I would go Mahomes um, over Stroud. I actually have Mahomes seven spots below the ECR, but the Jets, yeah, I, I'd rather have Mahomes in my lineup than Stroud uh, uh, for sure. Would you drop Josh Downs to pick up Noah Brown? Ooh, Stone Cold Scribe. That's a tough one. I don't hold Downs' poor performances last week too hard against him. The Titans – on paper, are a great matchup for receivers. Number two in terms of points allowed to outside receivers. Bottom five in terms of slot receiver points. So definitely one of those defenses that you have to be a little careful about. So I think I'd rather have Downs, who's been steady all year. It's close, though. I mean, the ceiling is certainly with Noah Brown there, Stone Cold Scriber. If he takes over the Tank Dell role, he's got 93% of the routes. Like, there's some very, very real upside there to Noah Brown. We've already seen 173, 152 yards. Like I, I like that. I do. <laughs> I I think I'd rather have downs rest of the season, but these guys are neck and neck. Like I, I, could you drop somebody else instead of them both? Especially if you need the receiver depth too. Rabel said Henry's doing great and had no sim. Okay. Uh, oh, g- good to know, Justin. So I, I might've been misinformed there. I appreciate the added information. I'll definitely double check. Um, I saw some tweets today that, he was in protocols, but they might they might have pulled him out or not officially done it. So good to know uh, for sure. That definitely could change whether you go Zeke versus Spears, especially if you need that start right away. All righty, well, Peck, that wraps up the loaded Week 14 waiver wire show. We covered so much in terms of playoff handcuffs, playoff defenses, top guys to replace Tank Dell, all that. Good stuff. If you found it helpful, please do consider that thumbs up button. Please do consider subscribing so we could continue our climb to 4,000 people. You can find all our content at rotostreetjournal.com. And if you want some holiday gear, shop.rotostreetjournal.com. Support your boys. Giuseppe, how you not buy some gear? Come get some gear for your boys. Check it on out. Rep us. And of course, we're going to be live at Old Planters Brewing for anybody in Massachusetts or willing to travel this Sunday live. 11 a.m. Old Planners Brewing in Beverly, Massachusetts. Come on down for an amazing live show. Alrighty, Wolfpack and World for Fancy Sheep, guys. Be the wolf. Best of luck on your waiver wires this week. Uh, Mass Football Guy, I see you there. Uh, you better be coming to uh, Beverly this weekend, my man. I'll answer your question for you before I sign off. Should I grab Jordan Love over Russell Wilson? It's tricky because Russell Wilson gets the Chargers twice here down the stretch from the best matchup for wide receivers. But yeah, the way Jordan Love's cooking right now, Looks great. Like he just eyeball test wise looks like one of the top seven quarterbacks in the league. He is top seven in fancy points per game. And certainly 
in his last four games, 20 or more points. Yeah. I, I'd rather have Jordan love myself. Um, it's tr- tough. Cause like if you're contending for a playoff spot this week, like neck and neck, who's better in my rankings, Russ versus Jordan love that does get the chargers, right? Very, very bit positive matchup for him. I still have Jordan love just a little bit higher in my rankings though, just because of how well he is playing right now. Um, so I'm, I'm letting him rip there for sure. Hey, yeah, of course, mass mass football guy. I'm a mass. Where mass are you from, man? I'm a mass football guy myself. Played at Beverly, graduated from Beverly High. Wonder uh, whereabouts you're from, for sure. But cheers, guys! Thank you so much for being here. On your way out again, that thumbs up button would be so greatly appreciated. Vertusjournal.com. Find all the content, like, sub, share, all that good stuff. Subbury, nice. I teach at North Andover. Nice. Um, alrighty, guys. And a wolf as a sheep. Be the wolf. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.